Hi, welcome to another episode of the CTO to CTO podcast. In this episode of the Balance It series, my guest is Christian Ruhlmann, the CEO of Circulate Global. Circulate Global is an environmental service platform that offers plastic neutrality to both individuals and brands. What gave Christian the wake-up call that led him to become the CEO of an environmental startup? What really happens to the plastic that we conscientiously segregate? Who should be held responsible for plastic leakage into our rivers and oceans? And why is plastic still the most widely used packaging material in 2021? And most importantly, why should we care? These and many other questions answered, shocking truths revealed, but also actions that you can take today to start making a change are shared all in today's episode. Tune in. Hi, Christian. Uh, welcome to the CTO to CTO podcast to the Balance It series. Thanks for accepting my invitation. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, today we are going to talk about, uh, your recent project company startup called Circulate Global. I know, uh, according to your LinkedIn page, um, it, it hasn't even been a year that you've been running this company. So it's quite a fresh thing. Um, but before we get into, uh, Circulate Global and, um, the whole plastic issue, uh, globally that we're going to discuss a bit more heavily, let's talk a little bit about you and um, your journey that led you up to this point? There's a, there's a long answer to that, and I try to make it short. So uh, I started out my professional career as a boat builder, so I learned how to build boats. And um, coming from there, I added uh, another education um, as an industrial designer and um, started an industrial design practice in parallel to my studies already and um yeah that went well for a couple of years and then i started another business with my uh with one of my mates from from uni and at some point i went sailing across the atlantic and um met the or saw the plastic problem uh in the caribbean uh firsthand basically and um Okay. Went to Haiti and saw how those beaches are totally flooded with plastic and so on and so forth. And I came back about three quarters of a year later and um, was requested by a client to design Tupperware. And I still had those images from Haiti in the back of my mind and uh, then started to understand, okay, what, I, what am I actually doing in my profession and uh, what's, what's the impact of my work? And uh, I think that was pretty much the, the starting point um, of my kind of uh, more detailed um, process regarding the plastic problem because I really wanted to research everything and understand how it worked and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's that was the starting point, and then it slowly evolved from there. We did more plastic awareness um, kind of projects in my in my design studio, um, and at some point I realized, okay, there's actually huge potential. We have a, we have a gigantic problem, and we need to. I want to do something about it, and I want to do more than just making pretty things. Um, Sorry to my designer friends. <laughs> and and um, yeah, so I started uh, Circulate Global as a reaction to that um, to that process. And uh, it's now a full-time thing tackling the plastic crisis on our planet. You know, I'm sure all of us have, have the same 
story in mind of going uh, on a vacation to a beautiful remote, remotely located place and simply just swimming somewhere and bumping into loads of trash. Super unpleasant um, and definitely not something you want to uh, experience when you're on vacation, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, but not none of us go back home and decide to do something about it. So that's why you're here today. <laughs> Uh, and I'm so happy to be to be talking to you. So um, how, how long, because you said you, you obviously had some research to do and you did some campaigns. So between that point that you saw the problem in Haiti, blah, 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 came back home and actually started building Circulate Global, what was that time frame like and what did you do in that mm -hmm. process? So I think uh, that was a good two years uh, in between the first moment of realization that wow, this is actually a problem, and um, starting uh, Circulate Global. And in that time, well, the first the first step was really immersing myself in research. And then I stumbled across a very cool project uh, called Precious Plastic. They've developed uh, low-tech low recycling machines. And I said to my uh, business partner back then, well, we should build a couple of those. And so we built um, a small shredder. We, we built a small injection uh, machine and an extruder. Um, so all machines to recycle plastic. And then we started recycling ourselves and we um, produced some phone cases and some other objects um, out of recycled trash that we either collected ourselves or that we had collected in kind of community events. And we made it to yeah, a couple of uh, events actually and hosted workshops about DIY recycling. Hey, this is, this is the, uh, a hands-on approach to recycling. And I mean, yeah, we're, we're Germans and we like engineering. <laughs> and so I had a very, in the beginning, I had a very machine-based uh, approach. And I was like, okay, so these machines, they are cheap. They can recycle. What can we do with them? Um, and I thought, okay, with machine and technology, we, we can save the problem, right? And of course, sometime later in the whole process, I discovered that there is a whole lot of recycling technology available in the market and it doesn't reach the places that you've just mentioned, right? So it doesn't reach the, the Caribbean. It doesn't reach Thailand, for example. And what's what's the problem there? Why does the, the technology and the processes that we have, why don't they go to the places where we see all the trash? And um, so that really startled me. And I looked at the whole system more on a meta perspective, more, more globally, and found out it's a very profound finding, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but in the global plastic system, money does not go where the trash goes. And what that means is that the global north exports a whole lot of plastic waste that it doesn't want to deal with in itself, right? And the global south, where all the exports go, they don't get any support in creating uh, infrastructure that is suitable or even just process, setting up processes, simple processes. Um, and mm -hmm. then... <laughs> We we go on holidays in in those beautiful places, right? Yes. Then we go back and say, oh, they don't have a they don't have a grip on the plastic problem there, when it's actually it's our plastic that is that it has been exported to those countries, right? And so there's there's huge injustice in in the plastic system, and um, that is probably the 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 point where uh, circulate global the idea of circulate global actually came into play because we ask ourselves the question, how can we bring money 
where all the plastic waste exports go to? How can we make sure that this machinery that is available to us, all the technology that we have, actually gets there where we need it? Okay, smooth transition into the question. So what is the main idea in a few sentences behind Circulate Global in that case? Mm. Because I'm assuming that's where you had your epiphany and you said, okay, so my company is going to actually be all about that. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so Circulate Global is a platform for plastic compensation. So very similar to uh, carbon compensation, which we're all familiar with, we offer um, plastic compensation. And that means that for every kilogram that gets consumed in countries of the global north, we ensure fair, ethical, safe recycling in the global south. And that means for every emission that is caused, we counterbalance that emission, essentially, and, and make sure that the global amount of trash at least doesn't grow anymore, which is the first step, right? Um, it's a voluntary system, uh, so very similar to when you book uh, a flight and you say, okay, I want to offset my carbon emissions mm -hmm. of that flight. Um, we offer the offset of plastic emissions. So uh, there's an average um, annual plastic footprint of a German citizen, for example, is 65 uh, kilograms of plastic waste per year. Mm -hmm. And we say, hey, if you give us a bit of money voluntarily, we ensure that those 65 kilograms get collected and recycled. Before we dive into um, any any further questions, let's also explain maybe to our listeners, what is our plastic footprint? So the plastic footprint is a metric that is used to measure all the plastic emissions that we cause by the lifestyle that we lead. And of course, we have the usual suspects in there, like plastic packaging, bottles, clothing, and so on and so forth. But there's also... Um, an in kind of invisible part of our plastic footprint, which is in, uh, for example, industrial production processes or in the process of building houses, housing. Um, or even when you go out and eat in a restaurant, you don't see the plastic that was necessary to for your food to be on the table, but still there is plastic involved. And so there's a is a big kind of invisible fraction of um, your plastic footprint. And we kind of add up all those emissions. And there's research and studies on, especially on the uh, invisible part. Of course, the visible part is very easy. You can measure it. Um, but those kind of indirect plastic emissions, uh, they are a bit harder to measure. And um, yeah, but essentially the individual plastic footprint is made up out of, of both uh, things, right? The, the visual, visual part and the uh, invisible part. Yeah. Okay. So you're just making sure that the people who care and the companies who care um, with, of course, your help as the middleman can ensure that the, the portion of plastic that they're using directly or indirectly um, is being accounted for, right? So you mentioned an important uh, thing here, actually, that we both talk to businesses and to individual customers, right? And so we join two major stakeholders of the plastic problem, the companies that produce plastics, the ones that sell plastics, and the consumers that actually buy the stuff. Um, because we're convinced that 
it's a global problem and it's a multi-stakeholder problem and we can't solve it by just saying, hey, the companies have to be responsible or hey, the consumers are responsible because they buy the stuff. So we say, okay, let's join forces. Let's find a way to connect consumers and companies in purposeful action. And that's what our platform is all about. And how much does it cost for an individual or a company to uh, participate and to join Circulate Global? Do you pay a subscription or is it like an individual basis? How do you assess that? Okay, so we have a, a strict B2B offer, which is um, we go in and calculate, assess the footprint of that company. So then we say, okay, we can recover the, an equivalent amount for you and make you a plastic neutral brand. Um, and that's the that's the first step for businesses alone. Um, we have the same for individuals and saying, and that's more the subscription that you just mentioned, um, that we offer individuals to calculate their annual plastic footprint and uh, compensate it with us. And then we have a kind of combined offer, which is a... Uh, plugin, so to say, for uh, sales processes, for, for a um, checkout, if you want. Um, and there, companies can directly interact with their consumers and offer them to make the basket that they're just ch checking out, to make that basket plastic neutral. And if a company wants, they can say, hey, we, we share this compensation, or we take the compensation on your behalf, or we double the compensation so that we don't only erase the negative consequences of our um, consumption habits, but that we actually have a positive impact together, you, the customer, and me, the brand. And just to add on that, um, from what I read, uh, neutralizing that basket, as you just uh, mentioned it, um, is actually simply adding a plugin, right, to your checkout, um, to your checkout basket, where customers can simply voluntarily tick the box and add that additional amount um, to their cart, right? Yeah that, yeah, that pretty much hits the nail on the head. So our plugin sits in the checkout process of an online store. And mm -hmm. whenever someone wants to check out a cart, um, they have the possibility to tick our box and uh, make sure that a, an additional and voluntary amount goes uh, towards fair plastic recycling. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually very convenient for both sides. Not only the consumer who's only a click away from adding uh, a small percentage, right, uh, to their total checkout uh, amount, but it's also super convenient for the store. Um, as an online, you know, uh, fashion retailer, I don't want to be uh, diving maybe head uh, on into the, the plastic issue, but I want to uh, have a sustainable business and to minimize my negative impact, right? You're right. It's a very convenient first step. I mean, we mm -hmm. also encourage as a second step to look at your own processes in, in your business, right? And say, okay, where can we maybe substitute packaging material? Um, mm -hmm. Where can we... Um, so how can we look at our product range and say, maybe we, we don't buy the 100% polyester shirt anymore. We don't sell it anymore on our, on our shop, but maybe we sell a 100% um, whatever wool or uh, cotton or mm -hmm. alternative, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
So those are the steps that we would take with with companies to to look at their processes, to look at their product portfolio and see how can we reduce the plastic that gets into circulation because of them um, and how can they interact with their customers on behalf of the plastic that they can't avoid. Okay, so you also do the consulting part as well. You would you would be like a partner in reducing the overall company plastic usage and to make those long-term changes for the company, yeah? If if a company wants to do that, we're more than happy to um, kind of join them on that journey and uh, advise to our best knowledge um, how which uh, measures they can take, yeah. That's a really genius concept now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but let me let me try and play the devil's advocate here just a little bit for the sake of our discussion. Sure. <laughs> Why should I care about the global aspect of this? Uh, isn't it enough to just recycle my own trash at home and make sure that my own neighborhood is clean? The answer is yes. So we we need to do all of the above um, and say, okay, we we make sure we, we separate our trash diligently, um, support and encourage local communities to set up proper systems, which we mm -hmm. most of the times have in mm -hmm. European countries. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's this whole aspect of plastic is a global issue. And so let's look at it from a global perspective. And we have a, res a historic responsibility because we in the European countries, for example, have been exporting waste for decades into places that have no no way of dealing with them. And so we say, okay, it's not enough to look at our own front door, right? And to see, okay, what's going on here and go out on the street and see, okay, this is fairly clean. We have this problem under control where the reality actually is that we don't have this problem under control at all. We, we still have a huge leak. Uh, we still export 15%, roughly 15% um, of all our plastic waste to countries of the global south, which is big in 2020, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And we burn most of the stuff that we... So, so the actual material recycling rate is, is, is incredibly low, and we don't actually have the problem under control even in our own front yard. But then we still export it to places that uh, have no no way of dealing with it. And so this part um, is the one that yeah we're trying to tackle mm -hmm. because we think it's it's extremely unfair to you know push your waste onto someone else within kind of out of mind uh, out of sight out of mind mentality mm -hmm. and um, then say oh you're the bad guy because you don't take care of the problem so we say okay how we acknowledge the fact that there have been waste exports and there still are and try to support those communities that are inflicted the consequences uh, of those exports Plus, in the global ecosystem, it's not like you can separate things from one another, countries and continents from one another. Um, and it's only going to be an out-of-sight, out-of-mind problem uh, for a certain amount of time. And it's going to come back and kick us in the butt <laughs> very soon. Sure. Ultimately, everything comes back to us. Um, there's been a recent study that uh, found that microplastic was found in 
the placenta of a pregnant woman. So it's actually, it's in our very systems, right? It's in our blood. And that stuff freaks me out, frankly said. And I mean, it's no wonder, right? Because we import the fish that we eat, we export the plastic that eventually gets carried or that gets blown into the sea or into a river, then makes its way into the sea. And the fish, of course, eat the microplastic and it's they have it ingested in their system. We eat the fish and boom, it's on our plate. Um, so it is, we can't look at it um, with geographical boundaries. It is, it is really, truly a global uh, problem, yeah. And just for a moment, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned, um, and I'm not sure if I got that right. Did you say that we burn the majority of the plastic uh, waste that we don't actually export overseas? We burn about 68% of the plastic waste we generate in Germany, for example. Um, and we use it for energy production. So it is, um, yeah, in power plants, basically. And that is a one of the messed up uh, fun facts about the plastic system is that, uh, so we say we're, we're exiting coil, uh, coal because we want to get rid of fossil fuels, right? And then we produce something like yogurt cups or plastic bottles. We use them for a very, very limited uh, amount of time. And then we throw them in the trash and then we run our energy cr uh, generation off that trash. So technically we're still burning fossil fuels in the, in the shape of plastic trash. And the part where it gets really weird is that um, the oil that gets used for the plastic production does not get taxed with mineral tax. So essentially it's tax-free energy in the shape of a yogurt cup or in the shape of a plastic bottle. That's shocking. That's actually shocking. And I actually <laughs> had no idea. And I've asked myself this question many times. What mm. actually happens to this plastic? But it seems that pff, a lot of organizations are benefiting from producing plastic uh, and <laughs> from sure. making sure that the plastic isn't being pulled out as a material. And like you said, they're creating taxless energy from it as well, right? So it seems that there's a systemic issue here as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, it's a multi-headed headed beast, really. Um, mm -hmm. Because we have, so one big stakeholder in the whole plastic system are oil corporates that are looking for ways to sell their oil. And with when we look into the future and see, okay, electric um, mobility is totally on the rise, the demand for um, fuel will go down. What do we do with the oil? Hey, we can make plastic out of it. So that's a huge market. Um, okay. Then we have the uh, power plant companies that say, okay, we actually charge the waste management company money to take their plastic trash. Right. So the waste management company gets all the trash that you, you collect and separate at home and they have professional sorting machines and a huge fraction of that is what they declare non-recyclables. And you have to be specific here because it's kind of commercially non-recyclables. -rec non so we have a whole lot of uh, solutions for multi-layer plastics, for example, um, to recycle them, but they're not mm -hmm. scalable on an on the industrial level that we need and so 
the waste management company declares them as non-recyclable and then they need to do something with it. And since landfilling is in most cases illegal uh, in Europe at the moment, uh, now, um, incineration is a great end destination for the plastic waste. And so the power plant operator says, hey, you have a problem and I will charge you for taking care of your problem. And then they burn it in their power plant and then they sell the energy to the grid, right? So they actually mm -hmm. profit twice on, on the waste. Um, okay. And there are many more um, examples of how intertwined interest in, in, the, in the plastic system is and how intertwined the interest is to keep everything as it is. Right. So, for example, we have we have green dot systems all across Europe, and they are responsible to collect uh, packaging waste from consumer goods companies. Um, and all the con all the plastic producers essentially are part of those uh, green dot organizations, mm -hmm. and the green dot sells the material, makes money out of it. There's money in in the system, mm -hmm. and now, for example, um, there's a push in the EU to um, maximize collection rates on, on single-use plastics. In order to meet those goals of uh, high, high collection rates for, for uh, single-use plastics, container deposit schemes are a very viable solution. And what we um, observe now is that green dot organizations are actually lobbying against container container deposit schemes because it takes plastic out of their system and therefore money out of their system and so we have a well-functioning idea container deposit schemes for bottles for example but we should have them for yogurt cups and everything else as well and we have green dot organizations which have the image of they're doing the right thing and they're, they're the good guys and they're actually objecting the um, implementation of container deposit schemes because that means they have less plastic in their systems and that therefore they make less money. Um, and so those three examples show that the plastic system really, it, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a multi-headed beast. <laughs> I feel like we're in one of those crazy like 90s action film thrillers where we're just discovering this, this huge conspiracy. Um, and it's actually pretty scary. Um, it seems that it will literally take years and years to change this whole system. And as you said, it's all intertwined and, and interdependent. Um, crazy. I don't know what to say. There was actually a very good, good thing that you said there, and that is it will take years and years to change the plastic system. And that is one of the findings uh, that we had in our research phase, um, that, of course, we need to reinvent materials. Uh, we need to come up with better um, circular economy systems and so on and so forth. And we need to pass better laws. And all of that needs to happen now, but it will take years until they A, get passed or B, until it gets uh, kicks into effect. And so we looked for a solution that has immediate impact, right? That doesn't start working 10 years down the line, but it starts working now because Plastic production, plastic waste generation is growing exponentially, and recycling rates have no choice. I have no, mm, uh, and recycling rates 
are very slow to catch up. And so the delta between those two, between the production um, levels and the recycling levels is growing and growing. And that is our global amount of trash, right? And so we figured, okay, how can we, how can we kind of boost that second line, the recycling line? How can we boost recycling capacities with a system that starts working right away? And that's where the compensation scheme comes into, into play because it, what it essentially does is from the first euro in the system, it starts to have an effect. And the effect actually is not just a single effect in saying, okay, we, we recycle more, but we actually call, we actually say um, it's a triple impact model. So it means that aside from the obvious, we, we recycle more, we collect plastic better and we recycle it, we tie it to um, a social impact. That means we make sure that the workers involved in the whole process get compensated fairly. And, and that's the third aspect, by going into regions of the global south, often where there is no uh, recycling infrastructure, no plastic waste infrastructure, um, we actually boost local economies and kickstart um, local development hubs where um, economic growth can happen because, I don't know, waste trucks need to be serviced, right? Someone needs to produce uh, garbage bins and so on and so forth. And that's those are the, the effects that we see on our system that have immediate impact. And ideally, of course, at some point in time, we make ourselves uh, unnecessary because, or not, well, we as a society make compensation schemes unnecessary because in the end, if we solve this and if we say, okay, we have better materials now, we have better laws, we have better um, circular economy schemes and so on and so forth, then of course a, a compensation scheme is not needed anymore, right? But until we get there, we can drastically improve the status quo. So um, let's talk a little bit now about your actual work in the Global South, um, about the organizations and the frameworks that enable you to, to do the work over there. Okay, so at the moment, um, we are very early stage and we have onboarded the first uh, partner organizations. Um, one of them is in India, uh, one of them is in Nepal, and another one is in uh, Indonesia. And we're having conversations with multiple more uh, organizations. Um, so it's important for us to support on-ground activities, right? To not come in as mid-European, middle-European uh, people and say, okay, we, we're going to tell you how to do this now. Um, we want to work with the local population and with organizations that already are on ground and are well connected to politics and to people. And um, to ensure that uh, the system actually works, so to ensure that our uh, plastic compensation system actually works and has this uh, triple impact that I claimed, um, we're relying on a recently released uh, plastic standard that is very similar again to the carbon compensation schemes where we have, I don't know, the gold standard, for example, is a very renowned uh, standardization process. And recently a uh, organization called Vera, which actually is the biggest carbon certifier, um, released a plastic standard that provides the framework for 
this whole plastic compensation scheme and they set requirements for both um, processes on the material level and for the social impact bit. And um, if a company wants to participate in the in the scheme, they need to get audited and then they need to report regularly on all of their activities. And therefore, transparency and credibility come into play. In the early days of uh, carbon compensation, a lot of, um, yeah, they, someone called it the Wild West. Um, and that is actually true because a lot of organizations were out there and actually still out there um, that collect money in uh, the global north again and then claim to have impact. And when people actually go and check, it sometimes uh, gets to the daylight that they aren't having that um, mm -hmm that impact that they claim that they have, right? And that's where the standards come in play, right? They say, we're not only claiming this, but we're having it um, certified from an independent party. And uh, so this is actually a legit uh, operation. And yes. so... Yes, I see. I understand now. Mm -hmm. So we actually rely a bit on, on this whole um, standardization process also um, because it makes clear that we don't only have a fancy website and have uh, high gloss uh, claims, but that we actually do what we claim we do. So let me um, play the devil's advocate here one more time today. Uh, and this is actually something I've, I've also thought to myself um, a few times at least. For example, I statistically, I only buy like one Coca-Cola bottle a month, maybe even, maybe even more rarely than that. Mm. Obviously, I can stop buying even that one bottle, but my impact is so much less than the brand Coca-Cola, who is producing millions and millions of these bottles every single day. Why is it my responsibility to do something about it? And why not the brands themselves? Um, because so what, what EPR does is it says extended producer responsibility, and it means producers should be responsible for the end-of-life uh, costs that are associated to their products. And that is already in, in short. Uh, the green dot is a first start, so that tackles packaging, but it doesn't tackle mm -hmm. products. Um, and EPR has a more holistic view and says, okay, all the plastic emissions um, that you cause by being in business um, you should be help, uh, you, sh you are held responsible for, and that is the kind of legally required side of um, getting a grip on the plastic system. So this is actually mm -hmm. something that states or even the EU um, can, uh, yeah, pass new legislation on and um, enforce. In, in their territory, right? Um, mm -hmm. Plastic compensation, as we do it, is a voluntary is the voluntary counterpart to it. So, as long as we don't have that policy yet, we can do it voluntarily because we know that mm -hmm. there are individuals out there and businesses out there who care and who mm -hmm. want to do better. And with us, they can do so voluntarily and don't have to wait until this, uh, the governments come up with new laws that require them to do so. 
So EPR is kind of the legal, um, the legal twin of, of what we do. So during our short conversation pre this call, you also mentioned that technology is a, pl plays a huge part uh, in Circulate Global and in, in your processes. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So credibility and transparency are the main assets for a company like Circulate.Global. And to ensure that we are a trustworthy brand, um, we do our best to be as transparent as possible. And that means that on the one hand, we track um, the complete donation stream that comes from you know, all the brands that are participating, that comes from the subscriptions on our website, and we publish it uh, on our website uh, in real time. And on the other hand, on the impact bit, We also trace the journey of the plastic trash from the source, so from the location where it's been picked up with a geotag, and then all across the um, plastic waste um, value chain. So all the different steps, uh, separation, washing, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, all the way to the end destination. And for the non-recyclables that could be still an incinerator, um, which I don't know if I want to say that, actually. <laughs> um, so rewinding a bit. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, on the impact side, we also track the journey of piece of plastic trash from the geographical location where it's been picked up with a geotag and then all across the, the value chain. So that is sorting and washing and shredding and so on and so forth, all the way to the recycler where the material gets reused and put into a product form again. And we do that with uh, a blockchain application. And we also share that data close to real time with the actual um, activities on ground and therefore we can show transparently show our um yeah the income of of uh, voluntary donations and we can show the actual effect that it has in terms of weight of plastic waste pro uh, processed and technology is an important factor here because it gives us the tools to do that and to make sure that Those, this data cannot be tampered with and um, that it's yeah, essentially a, a credible, credible uh, process. Uh, so to finish off this conversation with some actionable items for our listeners so that they actually know what to do. If they've listened to our conversation and they have understood that we are really facing a huge problem and if they want to be a part of the change, what can they do? And we're going to talk about being an individual and as an organization or a company. How do they reach you? How do they sign up? What, what do they do? Mm -hmm. So as an individual, you can visit our website, circulate.global, and sign up for a plastic neutral subscription that takes care of your total plastic emissions uh, per year. Um, you can also tell us 
your favorite uh, e-commerce brands, for example, and say, hey, it would be cool to see you in that store. And mm -hmm. that's and the other side is you could also talk to your favorite e-commerce brands and say, hey, this is something that I would really like to see from you and um, get in touch with uh, the guys and girls at uh, circulate.global. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the the stuff that we can help out with. Um, and of course, you can follow our, our social media channel, which you can also find under uh, circulate.global on Instagram. And you can try and follow the reduction tips and tricks that we regularly share there to bring that footprint down in the first place, because we still have to do it. Compensation is, is a first step, but reduction is still required. And uh, that's why we share easy to do uh, in a daily life tips and tricks on, on how to do your part of the story. Thank you so much uh, for this conversation. I really learned a lot and I realized how much I don't know about um, something that has been bugging me for a while. And I'm sure it's it's bugging a lot of people. I remember that the, the bags of trash I, I took out as a kid, they just were not nearly as huge as they are today. Um, and it just seems that plastic packaging is everywhere and... Uh, you can't do simple grocery shopping uh, at any store without buying, you know, three kilograms of plastic uh, uh, along the way. So uh, I deeply believe that what you're doing is um, incredible. And I, I really, my fingers are crossed for, for you and your company. And I hope that by spreading this, um, this conversation, uh, I will also make a little bit of a difference in, in people's awareness. So thank you again for, for joining me for the, in this conversation. Thanks for listening to the CTO to CTO podcast and make sure you subscribe us on your favorite podcast listening channels. See you next week.